Well, this is week two of our sermon mini-series, uh, going through the membership material. Um, in, a, in a high-level way, the membership material uh, reveals, um, covers three things, who we are, why we exist, and where we're going. And after the, after the year we've just experienced together, everyone needs a refresher. But for those of you who are new or have expressed an interest in becoming an, a, a member, um, at this local expression of the body of Christ, this is your golden opportunity. As I said last week, we've, we've included printouts um, for, uh, uh, of the full membership material back there. Harrison's looking through it right now. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, go ahead. Carry on, Harrison. Um, it's also available digitally via the, the weekly email that's, that's gone, out, uh, gone out over the past couple weeks. We began last week with the story, capital S, that God has written and revealed to us in the Bible. Without knowing this story, our individual stories make no sense. Think about that. Meaningless, purposeless, without the story, you might as well sleep in in the morning. On a Sunday morning. I mean, have a cup of coffee, read the paper, um, stay in your jammies. What's the point? We needed God to take us by the lapels and wake us up to the reality that there's a war going on for our souls. We need a God to reveal who we are apart from him. We were condemned. <laughs> That's the bad news, right? We needed we need God to reveal the hero of the story, Jesus Christ, and how he has reconciled us back to himself. So if you've, you've seen and acknowledged and repented of the various ways you've pushed God out of your life, you've stiff-armed him, um, if, if you've seen your, your absolute need to be rescued in a way that, that only God could do and accomplished through his son, Jesus Christ, if you've received uh, Jesus' free gift of grace offered by his work on the cross, then you are a member of the household of God. But that's not all. The, the war's not over. It continues for our neighbors. It continues for our coworkers. And so we need a God to reveal who we are now as his new family of, uh, of new creations sent with a mission of bringing this news to a hurting world that desperately needs to be reconciled back to him. That's, that's what I'm saying as far as there is a war going on. So that's the church's mission. That's who the church is, period. We're literally on a mission from God the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who will one day come back, just as he's promised, and make all things new. So uh, his parting words to his disciples are found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, not part, partial authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's incredible news. Incredible purpose, incredible uh, meaning, and it's all derived from the fact that we have incredible hope, incredible joy, strength, and love. As we said last week, apart from this story, apart from the story, capital S, um, our individual stories have no meaning. We, we'd, we'd have to create that sense of meaning. We'd have to create that, that sense of purpose on our own. And that's t- way too big a burden for any one of us to bear. We weren't designed to bear it. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burdened, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Isn't that beautiful? So once we get the fact that our sense of meaning, our sense of purpose, we have no business creating it. It's been given to us. We, we simply had to receive it. We can walk in freedom. We, we can walk in joy. So today I'd, I'd like to spend some time talking about our story, Be Free Dover's story. Um, I, I know this will sound fairly egocentric, and that's not my intent at all. Bar- our story actually began in my dorm room my freshman year at UNH, fall of 1994. That first weekend at UNH, I realized I could continue to walk down the road I'd been walking, a road of stiff-armoring God, a road of, of uh, self-indulgence and living for myself, or I could take God up on his invitation to take the other road, the road of following him. And it, it wasn't an, an, an invitation marked by condemnation or shame, but it was an invitation marked by kindness and love with firmness. So it was, it was irresistible grace. And that began a season of spiritual renewal unlike anything I'd ever experienced. I, I found myself reading the pages of Scripture in a way that, that uh, was new. I found myself... Um, I, I found there, there was a real sweetness and power in my times of prayer. Um, at the same time, I, I got involved with this, with this ministry called Crew, um, which is at UNH, and found friendship with other believers who were on the same mission uh, to, to reach students for Christ. I, I sensed God calling me. By the end of that semester, I sensed God calling me to some form of of ministry. Um, I met and fell in love with Kylie my senior year, her freshman year, scandalous. Um, We lived in Dover our first couple of married years, and we eventually went to seminary in 2003. Seminary was a formative period for for both of us. It was um, academically rigorous, of course, but I think God provided both of us with some amazing, amazing friendships. And, and what we didn't know at the time is how much God was shaping 
our philosophy of ministry, particularly uh, our philosophy of community group ministry. So meanwhile, we'd stayed in, in touch with some UNH friends who were developing a church in the Alton area. Had, I, I had this initial conversation with Sam Huggard, um, who was the, the lead pastor uh, at the time, the lead church planner in Alton. And I said something like this in 2005. I'm about a year away from graduating. Um, would, would you guys be open to exploring the idea of, of us coming up there and partnering with you? And he said, absolutely. Let me introduce you to my friend Chris Clinch. So Chris Clinch, as you know, is the senior pastor of all of Be Free. Um, he's also the, the lead pastor of Barrington. Meanwhile, <laughs> Nick and Hannah Dean, Hannah's um, uh, Sam's sister, um, were, were very active in, in leading uh, ministry over in Barrington, but they were living in Dover. And Sam and company, was, was, uh, I found out later, was kind of recruiting them hard to join them in Alton. But, um, but Nick and Hannah loved Dover and, and wondered what God had in store for them here. And I'll tell you, I'm glad they did. Um, I'm glad they stayed because Dover became Beefree's next church plant. A, a church plant I, I would be commissioned to develop. So th in 2006, um, I was finished with seminary. We, we moved our family of, of four um, by that time. Uh, Graham was four years old. Greta was one. Back to Dover. Uh, <laughs> Beefree couldn't afford to pay me. Chris said, we've got vision and values, but that's not going to put food on your table. You've got to get a job. So um, I got my old job back, Kylie went to work as well, and we, we began meeting with five other people, well, five people in our living room. Kylie and I were constituted two of them. So <laughs> it was Nick, Hannah, and this other guy, Matt, uh, who's moved out of the area now. Um, but, I, you know, I can't tell you the number of times I, I just thought, how's God going to plant a church with five of us? Jeremiah 29, 4-7 says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay? So he's talking to his people in Babylon. Not at home. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives of, for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So where are the people of God? Babylon. They're in exile. They're not home. They're, they're not yet able to enjoy the comforts and freedom that they once enjoyed. They're strangers. They're foreigners. 
And yet God has, has them build houses, plant gardens, have sons, daughters, give, give away your kids in marriage. Verse 6, multiply. Do not decrease. There's a lot of anger out there with what our culture as Americans has become. And some of, these, some of those feelings are legit. But I think a, a lot of what's behind our anger is this. We've forgotten that we aren't from here. We're strangers. We're foreigners living in a strange land. And Jesus has won the decisive battle. Sin has been atoned for. Death has been um, defeated. And yet, we're, we're still waiting for him to come back and to make all things new. So this is why Peter starts his first letter this way. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. He's making a point. Hey, you guys, until Jesus comes back, until he makes all things new, you're, you're exiles, you're foreigners, you're strangers. This, this land, regardless of how good it could be, it, it is a strange place. So they were residential missionaries, and so are we. Residential missionaries. Multiply there in Babylon. Do not decrease. So back to our story. Over the next couple of years, we grew. And our community group of one multiplied into two. Yay! We had about 20 people at the time, around uh, 95% of, of um, people uh, in Be Free Dover were Dover residents. We were and are residential missionaries. So we felt like we, we needed some time together in addition to our, uh, our uh, time in community groups. So Nick and Hannah were open to us having monthly gatherings, uh, meeting in their house, because uh, our apartment wouldn't, <laughs> our tiny apartment wouldn't do. Every month, there was more, more and more of a buzz in the room. Tons of laughs. Um, if any of you know Mike Maroff or Trevor Garman, you'd know why we'd laugh a lot. But um, there was also just an excitement for what God had in store. We asked questions like, you know, what does it mean to be the church? Now, are we the church now? Or are we the church when we have our own space and are set up with public gatherings like this? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, what's, the, what's the typical Doverite like? Are they spiritually open? Are they biblically literate or illiterate? What, what are their needs? How can we come alongside them and, and serve them? How can we build bridges to Jesus for them? What do we dream we could be for them as a church in Dover? And after talking about these questions, we pray. And we pray for our we pray for our coworkers. We'd celebrate every time God seemed to be making progress in those relationships. That's what it looks like 
to be a residential missionary. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on his behalf for in its welfare you will find what? Your welfare. In 2009, we, we decided to take our private meetings public. Only, uh, like Tim Monahan shared about Be Free Summersworth uh, and, and uh, not being able to find a space, that was, a, that was our situation. We didn't have space. So there's a really cool story. Um, a cool story of God's hand. So we, we thought of the McConnell Center, which is the, uh, right next to the library, it's that, um, I, I, uh, it's basically, it was the old high school, it was the old middle school, and now they've converted it into um, a center for nonprofits. Anyway, I'd been in there and, have, and I'd noticed it had potential. So I'd placed a couple of calls in, uh, with the, the, the person in charge, and I left a message, but for whatever reason, uh, he never called back. And weeks went by. And I was feeling particularly anxious about this. So one day I was, uh, I was having um, my, my quiet time uh, or my alone time with God. And I, and I remember asking him to guide my steps. And I remember thinking, That's <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. Uh, guide my steps? It sounds like more like a greeting card. But I, um, I don't usually pray greeting card prayers, but anyway, later that day, I had to return some books to the library, and I thought, eh, I'm just going to go check out the McConnell Center again, and I, and I was, as I was wandering the halls, I happened to notice this guy who um, needed to return my phone calls, but hadn't, and he was in a meeting, and he was just wrapping up that meeting, so I thought, huh, I think I'm just going to hang here and wait, and um, he came out, and I introduced myself, and he showed me around, and lo and behold, the place was ours. God miraculously guided my steps. So for the next five years, we finally had a, a public space where we could gather together. To, as, as Tim says, to be his people and to gather with them. So hard, hard to believe how much has happened since that time. And I, I'm not so much talking about quantitative growth. I'm really talking about qualitative growth, kingdom growth. People are coming to faith still and being baptized. Um, growth and dig. Kids are learning to encounter and hear from God. Growth in community groups. People are given the opportunity to know and be known by others. And, and to grow closer to Jesus. Growth in, in um, FMO, and the stories of freedom from addiction, are, are multiplying, even, even in the past year. Growth in connect. Women are, are growing in the knowledge of, of God's word as they seek to apply it together. Growth in, in young life and wildlife, the middle school community group, and the, uh, we haven't announced it yet, but there's, a, there's a, also a high school community group under development. So um, the, the, 
I guess the number of kids coming to Christ from families not connected to a church, I mean, that's, that's kingdom growth. But lest you think I'm living with my head in the clouds, I'm not. All, all this growth has happened in the midst of pain, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of uncertainty. You know, we, we've literally had stories of cancer, stories of strokes, story of, stories of loss and unbelievable grief, stories of marriages in crisis, stories of joblessness and financial hardship. In other words, stories of the fact that we're living in the already and not yet of the kingdom. We're foreigners. We're exiles. We're residential missionaries. So why, why do we retell our story like this? Here's why. Because we have faulty memories. And having faulty memories leads to a faulty vision of the future. God knows this. In fact, he, he's had his people you know, for millennia set up memorials again. So one example is in, in Joshua 4. Um, to give a little context, this is after the people of God uh, lived in Egypt for 400 years. This is after God's miraculous rescue plan out of Egypt through the parting of the Red Seas. Uh, this is after his patience with them <laughs> through their grumbling through the wilderness for 40 years. But this is just before they crossed the Jordan and enter into the promised land. A lot of work to do, but nevertheless, it's significant. So God says to them, I want you to mark this day. This is a big moment for you. This is, this is the, just the beginning of things to come. If any day is worth marking, it's this one. I don't want anyone to forget it. Not here, and not your children's, 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 children. So, verses, uh, Joshua 4, verses 5 to 8. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel, we will use these stones to build, build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed a memorial there. You know, these, these were days long before an iPhone or a camera. God is doing it. the very thing that any parent does on big days with their kids. He grabs the camera. 
He has them stack stones, has them take one for each tribe. Why, why, do, you, why do you mark a story like this? Uh, verses six and seven give us, gives us the answer. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you will tell them. That's, that's why we tell our stories. It, it's not about patting ourselves on the back. Um, it, it's not about saying, hey, aren't we great? I'm not. No, no, no. It, it, it's about what God has done through broken people like us. Who are we? If you're, if you're considering membership at our church, you need to know we are not an organization um, which will deliver spiritual goods and services to you. You need to know, first and foremost, that Be Free members, if you're a member, if you're a stakeholder, then you are signing up for the fact that you are a residential missionary. And as residential missionaries, God has called us to be a force of restoration even as he's restoring us. It's not like, oh, you've got to have it all together before you can tell people about Jesus. No. You don't have to have it all together. Uh, C.S. Lewis called it, um, it, it's just beggars, um, yeah, blanking on the term, uh, the phrase exactly, I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's just beggars telling another beggar where to find food. We're called to invite people onto the Jesus road. That's what our vision is as a church. Really, really hope you will consider joining us. Seriously. I know, I know some of you are kind of uh, on the fence. We need you. Let's pray. Father, we, we praise you for your faithfulness to this little expression of your body, Be Free Dober. Lord, we thank you for the, the fellowship we've all had the, the, the privilege of sharing over the past 15 years. It's hard for me to even think that it's been that long. When we think of where we've, we've come, it, it really is amazing what you have done. The relationships that have been impacted. Um, the freedom ha that has been increasingly enjoyed. The, the, the people who have come to know you, Jesus, and um, come into a relationship which is exactly where, what you want in all of us. So we, we pray for the, the members and the stakeholders who already exist. We, we pray that as we um, take time to remember what you've done, that this will galvanize um, this will galvanize them and, um, and really remind them of your vision. We pray for um, the people who aren't members, aren't stakeholders, and are really considering it. I pray that um, you would be pleased to work in their lives and, and call them um, 
not into an individual relationship with you. Uh, yes, that is important. That is crucial. But into a uh, relationship with other believers who are committed to being residential missionaries. We pray for this, pray for this city. I love it. Um, we pray for... Um, uh, there's all kinds of needs here that we can come alongside and serve. We, th- we, uh, we think of the, um, the Friendly Kitchen and the House of Hope, uh, which is nearby Berwick. We, um, we think of all kinds of needs like that. This is, this is a prime opportunity for us to um, not only tell the good news, but show it with our lives. So we, we give all this to you, God, and... Um, we, in knowing that without you, without you showing up, day after day, moment by moment, it is meaningless. But we thank you that you are alive and well, that you, you said you would never leave us nor forsake us, and that is beautiful news. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in Jesus' name.